Welcome to Writer Writer Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. We also cover craft, the agent hunt, query trenches, publishing industry, marketing, and more. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com. And make sure to visit the Writer Writer Pants on Fire blog for additional interviews, query critiques, and more at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. And don't forget to check out the Writer Writer Pants on Fire Facebook page. Give me feedback, suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, and let me know if there's someone you would love to see as a guest. Today's guest is Lori M. Lee, author of the fantasy YA title Forest of Souls. Lori joined me today to talk about launching a book during the pandemic, marketing and promo online, and how to handle depression and anxiety during COVID. Capable Monsters is a new book of poetry by Marlon M. Jenkins that uses the Pokédex to explore blackness, queerness, and coming of age in America. With the narrative richness of the world of Pokemon as a backdrop, Capable Monsters charts what it means when we're made to feel like monsters and how we fit into our world. You can get Capable Monsters now from BullCityPress.com. And listeners of this show can save $5 on any book order by entering the coupon code FIRE. You'll save on poetry, fiction, and nonfiction, including titles like Equilibrium by Tiana Clark, The Temple by Michael Bazette, and There Will Be No More Good Nights Without Good Nights by Laura Vandenberg. That's $5 off any book order at BullCityPress.com with coupon code FIRE. Capable Monsters by Marlon M. Jenkins. Have you ever loved anything you were not afraid of? We're here with Lori M. Lee, who is a YA author. Her most recent release was Forest of Souls, which is a fantasy that came out this June. Now, unfortunately, I think a lot of us have had to really kind of refocus and pivot and find new ways to promote anything that released in 2020. Mm-hmm. My book in 2020 came out on March 3rd. And I got a week of touring in and then everything shut down and we were done. I was supposed to mostly be on the road pretty much the entire month of March and then the first half of April. And that, of course, all ended quite abruptly. So if you want to talk about promo in the time of COVID, how are you reaching your readers? I can't even imagine actually having to begin my tour and then just like shutting it down. So I guess... On the one hand, it's a good thing that I never <laughs> was able to go out. Um, but I had like a year to plan all the promo for this book, you know, and I had so many things planned. I was going to go on a, a book tour through the Midwest with like a lot of author friends. Mm-hmm. And I was going to be attending my first major conference as a guest, which I was so psyched about. And then, like you said, COVID happened and the tour was canceled, switched to be virtual. That actually didn't happen either, but that's for a different reason. <laughs> book conference, which was ALA in June, which was ALA was literally the weekend that my book released. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, it lined up perfectly. But alas, it did not happen. 
yeah, so luckily, a lot of the things I had planned, like aside from that, were virtual though, because I always think about the international fans. It always makes me feel bad when I do like, you know, US only promotions. So um, specifically my uh, my pre-order campaign, I have to caveat this with like only do a pre-order campaign if that's something that is fun for you, because mm-hmm. it is a lot of work, a lot of work and a lot of money too. So you have to really make that decision for yourself about whether you want to do that. So it was important to me to figure something out that would be flat enough. That would be a really cool gift, but also flat. So I could mail it um, international um, with just like a stamp. So I I just came up with an enamel bookmark and it's really pretty. I thought it was like really cool. I was planning this really big cover photo challenge with Shweta Takrar, who is the author of Star Daughter. Mm -hmm. We were planning this really big cover photo challenge in June, like leading up to my book release. And then I posted about it. And then I had a weird mental break and I just completely lost focus and I didn't do anything for like the three weeks leading up to release. In a way, the virtual events work better specifically just for me because I can't really travel a ton anyway. And I was like going to focus all of my budget on that tour but it didn't happen. So then I was able to distribute it elsewhere. Well, it sounds like you were able to kind of redirect and pivot pretty well. I want to bring up something you mentioned that has not come up on the podcast before, interestingly enough. And it is something that I also think about often, international readers. And very often, like if I do a giveaway on the blog, a book or whatever, people will reach out and they'll be like, well, is it international? And unfortunately, the answer is no, because it is expensive to Mm -hmm. ship a book overseas. And callous side of the answer is, you know, I'm doing giveaways in order to promote myself. And usually the entries are to gain social media followers, stuff like that. I don't get a monetary benefit from this. Mm-hmm. I get a benefit of likes and follows and things like that. And if I made every single giveaway international, I would be losing a significant amount of money. That's the business side of it. The emotional mm-hmm. side of it is my international readers matter to me just as much as my domestic readers. I also, I think you have a wonderful idea there. I also have bookmarks made and I have basically used like a very precise scale and weighed my bookmarks so that I know exactly how much they weigh and I can mail them internationally just using an international stamp, which still, I mean, it's not that cheap. I'm actually going to look it up really quick. It's a dollar twenty-five. $1.25. That's what I yeah, thought. I bought a yeah. lot of them. <laughs> yep. And they're very pretty. Do you have the one with the succulent? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and they just I, came out with like a really pretty, um, some flower one as well. So. Yes, I've seen that one. I, I like it a lot. I think those international stamps, they're $1.25. That's not cheap, but it is... Oh, sorry, not $1.25, $1.15. Oh, okay. It's a $1.15. And that's not cheap, but it's still a nod to your international readers. It's something that you can do for them. And they're spending money on your book, and I don't think it's going to break the bank for you to spend $1.15 to send them some bookmarks. So what I do is particular length, width, and stock of the bookmarks that I use, I can ship seven bookmarks in a single envelope. The international stamp will cover it. You know, the hope is that that $1.15 that I spent, they'll keep one bookmark for themselves and maybe like give the six others to friends. And I could possibly generate sales by spending $1.15. And that's not bad. 
So Mm -hmm. I, I love your point. I think it's interesting. I think too, that we as authors have had to really rethink how we do our digital marketing and our digital appearances. Have you done many Skype phone calls or presentations or Zoom talks? Oh, I've done so many Zoom presentations. Um, Not Skype so far, but Zoom has been Uh a big thing. Like with all the book festivals turning virtual, I've done several of those. And it's, again, it's been like long enough now that I can't even recall specifically. I don't know, at least a half dozen. And what did you find in terms of attendance? Were you able to get numbers then and data from the organizers? Um, I did not get any numbers or data, um, but the nice thing was that a lot of them were available like um, to stream on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So like literally I would just go to the YouTube and like um, check out like the views and the comments and stuff. And they all seem to be really um, well attended. So I'm not too fussed about like the numbers and stuff because at the same time I got to chat with like other authors and totally that's cool. Totally. <laughs> you also have a piece of static promo right there that you can use on your own social media and you can use it. It's you talking about your book and you can reference people to it. I've found it useful myself. I've done a couple of um, Instagram chats and on Instagram live and I'm never on Instagram live. It's just not a thing that I do. (laughs) And for the most part, I'm, I'm comfortable with tech, but as I said, I had never done an Instagram live. I've never done like an online presentation where I'm sharing my screen or like walking, like teaching and walking people through slides. And I've had to like open up and be like, yes, I will do that. And I will, I will go learn some new things Mm -hmm. so that I can still be effective in promoting my book. Yes, I also had to learn Instagram Live. It wasn't hard, fortunately, because actually I had no idea how to use it until I was watching someone else do Instagram Live and they were sort of fumbling through it. And then they figured out how to um, invite another person into their um, Instagram Live. It's like, oh, so that's how you do it. And then for my um, release day event, I had to figure out how to stream a video like panel between me and two other authors. So I had to figure all that out, like literally the day before my release. Okay, to be fair, I had like weeks to do it, but I was going through like a really tough mental time and then uh-huh. and I wasn't sure if I was even going to do it. And then like, you know, release day was approaching. I was just like, I have to do this. Otherwise, you know, I'll probably regret it. Figured out the technology literally the day before. And then the day of like, we had some technical difficulties again, because, you know, it was new technology to all of us. And then fortunately, we worked through it. That was a lot of fun. And then, unfortunately, I did not know how to record it. (laughs) So, like, once it was done, it was done. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah. This is a fear now of mine that I just, I live in fear of accidentally turning on Facebook Live or turning on Instagram Live or streaming when I'm sitting on the toilet or <laughs> like getting into the bathtub because I am just like, I'm constantly working. I'm constantly in conversation with different people about different things, usually with book related stuff. And so I'll have my phone with me even in the bathroom because I'm working and <laughs> I just, I live in constant fear of like Instagramming my shit or something. I don't know. <laughs> Puppet Telegrams brings you custom puppet telegrams for people of all ages. It's the perfect way to send a smile on someone's birthday, anniversary, graduation, retirement, as a get well message, or just because. For every paid telegram, an additional one is sent to a child in a hospital or to a classroom in need of ways to liven up the virtual learning environment. Available for all ages, any occasion, from wholesome to edgy, and everything in between. 
send a puppetgram and lighten someone's day. So you have mentioned a couple times already having some mental health struggles with mm, yeah. the COVID epidemic, also like tied to publishing in some ways. So that is right now for many of the authors that I know, it's kind of a universal story. So yeah. if you'd like to talk about that, that would be great. When quarantine happened, when like everything shut down, I didn't feel stressed out, but like my skin completely went crazy, right? Like I just started breaking out in a way that I haven't done since I was a teenager. So I knew something was up, but at the same time, I didn't feel any different, but I felt like I was probably now, like in hindsight, I was probably just doing a really good job, like compartmentalizing. I was on the promo train and I was like on social media, like a ton. I was posting a ton and I was doing all like the the virtual book festivals and the panels. And then I was, I had just posted all the stuff for our cover um, challenge. And then I just had, I don't know, I feel like maybe everything came to a head because at the same time, there was a lot of stuff happening in terms of like Black Lives Matter and um, a lot of the protests happening. And then with COVID and then with like my book release coming up and I feel like I just collapsed. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I had like this major, major bout of anxiety that just like, like I've had episodes in the past that don't last for more like a day so I can handle it. Um, Whereas this one, it it just, it persisted and it persisted and then it grew. And then I became mildly depressed and it got to the point where I couldn't imagine even writing another book anymore. Like, and to the point where I just wanted it all to go away. Like I didn't even want my book release to happen. I didn't want anything to happen. I just wanted everything to just go away. Mm-hmm. So I went to go see my doctor. She prescribed me some antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine, which I didn't take because, and I want to like caveat as well. Like you have to make the best choice for yourself. And if that's the best choice, please take medicine. But for me, it's just I just read a lot of the the side effects and stuff. And like, I wasn't sure if this was something that I would have to do for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. um, or if this was just an episode like in the past. So I sort of stuck it out for a bit. I took herbal supplements and I don't know if it was the supplements or if it's just my body self-regulating, but gradually day by day, it started to lift. I feel like I'm 95% myself again, but it did take time. It was just the weirdest episode in my life so far. Did you, as well, in addition to the supplements, did you pull back from social media? Oh, yes. I just, I left. I left completely. I should have been posting. I will, I say should, but like you don't have to promote, you know, but I, but me personally, I feel like I should have been posting Mm -hmm. um, much more leading up to the release. Um, But I didn't, like I had so many things planned that I would post. I didn't, which I didn't post. Um, I just left a message saying, you know, I was having a tough time and like all the things that I had to mail out, I had so many pre-orders still to mail out and like gifts and stuff to mail out that I actually only just got to like a month ago because Mm -hmm. I finally had like the, the physical and mental motivation to go to the post office and do it. Mm-hmm. which I still feel terrible about. But also I was waiting for stamps. So that's like in my excuse as well because of the whole post office situation. I was waiting a very long time for stamps. But then like my virtual tour, I feel I felt so bad about that because I had 
put a lot of planning and my agent had put a lot of planning into like um, what we would do, reaching out to like my friends, like author friends and other authors to like do it with me. And then this thing happened and I was just like, I don't think I can do it anymore. At the time we pushed it back. We were just like, we're, we'll postpone it. But I mean, it's been like three months and it's, it's just not going to happen. So that was disappointing. So the only thing I really did on book release week was my release day event. And everything else that I had planned was just out the door. You're not alone in this. A fellow YA author I did not necessarily know well and had only met once, but we had interacted um, on social media. A fellow YA author I saw posted some months ago, uh, you know, I'm pulling away out entirely from social media. I did have this person's phone number and I sent them a text and I was just like, hey, I'm just reaching out and I'm make sure you're okay. And she texted me back <clears> and she was like, thank you. I will be. I just can't do a lot right now. I simply am not functioning. And I was like, okay, I mean, that's fine. And don't feel bad about feeling bad. That's what I've been telling people. Do not feel bad for feeling bad. This is a shit storm. This other YA author and I are now in the habit, even though we were not close before, we just check in on each other like pretty much every week. We'll just send a text. Oh, like, hey, sweet. how are you doing? So you're not alone in this. And to have it hit with release I'm so sorry, and I can't imagine. <laughs> I do want to say this in support of your choice, which I would support regardless, but <laughs> I had an interesting experience as an author last end of summer, beginning of fall, so about a year ago. I went through a breakup. It was a relationship that had lasted for 12 years. I was done. Nothing matters. This is stupid. Lay in bed, cry for three days. Then my dog died. So it was not a good. And I was like, fuck you, 2019. I had no idea. But anyway, I was just in such a bad place. And I just, I didn't care. I was like, I I don't care about tweeting about my book, like where I was emotionally right then. I was like, that's dumb. I'm not doing that. And in the past, I have been very active on social media. And I was just like, you know what? This doesn't matter to me right now. I basically cold turkey dropped, like didn't even make an announcement that I was backing away for probably two or three months. And I saw zero effect on my sales. I have always been a proponent of using the tools that we have to promote ourselves. I no longer believe that it is as effective as I used to. Um, You're in a slightly different situation because like you were saying, this was release week for you. Um, I did not have anything to actively promo at the time. So like it is slightly different. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do social media because I think it does bring awareness of a release or of you as an author. And I have found people and their art through a particularly interesting tweet that went out or a Facebook post that was shared. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying it is not worth throwing yourself against that brick wall over and over Mm, if your heart is not in it. And the thing is, my heart was in it (laughs) until like the anxiety and the depression happened. I can say confidently that that wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like that's not how I normally am. I know that a lot of authors give advice to not tie so much of your identity into your writing. For most of my adult life, that's, that's sort of been my identity. You know, like I wanted to write, I wanted to be a writer. And so when that happened and I just didn't care anymore, I had a bit of an existential crisis. 
because this is the thing I've always loved. I've always wanted like desperately to mm-hmm. do. And if I don't care anymore, then what do I do? Who am I? Yes. Like, so I was having all these questions. What do I do if, if that passion for writing doesn't come back? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, fortunately it did. And like the fog lifted. It was a weird time. It is. And the phrase you just used, the fog lifted, is so accurate. I mean, it truly is just like a mental fog and a funk and nothing matters. I mean, that's the thing. I have a difficult time expressing about depression. Um, I suffered from depression like my whole life. Um, Anxiety Mm -hmm. was a new experience for me. Can't say I enjoyed it. Depression is that. I mean, that's what gets me every time. I think it's very difficult for people that don't suffer from it to understand that it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like nothing matters right now. All I feel is nothing. You can't motivate yourself when nothing matters. However, Mm -hmm. I'm 41 now. I've been managing it for a long time. I have discovered that, you know, I'll have a string, two, three, usually not too bad, but you like one really bad day, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like you feel like this today. Tomorrow, you might not. And and I have days that are awesome where it's like, I'm awesome and the world is awesome and people are awesome and everything's going to be okay. Like I have those days too, not in a manic depressive style way. Like it's a pretty even fluctuation, but I have good days too. And so when I'm in a bad day, it's like, okay, live this. You're in your bad day. And I'm, I'm lucky enough that I do right full time. So it's like, you know what? Go take a nap. It's cool. Like, you don't you don't have to do this. You don't have to feel like this right now. If you want to take a nap, you can. I highly realize and acknowledge that that is a luxury. There is that guilt then that is associated with it too. I'm not doing anything. I'm not working hard enough. I didn't do my hair today. I look sloppy. I didn't put on makeup. It's okay. It's okay. It is okay to feel bad. You don't need to feel bad about the fact that you feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the guilt of letting everybody down around you, not really being able to do anything about it, like wanting to do something about it, but also not wanting. The incapability. I mean, that's what I feel when I'm when I'm just in bed and I'm not going to be able to get out like it's just that's not going to happen right now. And if it's the middle of the day, that makes you feel like shit. That's just the way it is. I'd like to talk on the flip side of that about anxiety. What was your experience of that? You said you had these existential questions. If I'm not writing and if I'm not a writer, I think it's really interesting. And I and I know we're kind of veering away from the topic of writing and publishing, but I think it's worth talking about because your experience was COVID and publishing related. And for me, when I was going through with my breakup, I kind of had the opposite experience where it was like, the only thing I'm good at is writing. That's everything I am. That's the only thing I am is a writer. Mm. And that felt very empty to me. My personal life and the romantic scale was, you know, it had been vacuumed, sucked out of my life. So I had the opposite where I was just like, oh, the only thing I am and the only thing I'll ever be is a writer. Oh, that's a really interesting contrast. I'm married, so I don't have to right, right. And I have two kids. They take up a lot, a lot of time already. I will say Having had that feeling, it was also followed by, I'm so empty right now that I can't imagine writing. Yeah, I, I do also want to say that even though I am, I have a husband and kids, I also felt very alone. Oh, yes. Like, during that time, like no matter who was around you, like even if you don't have a partner or even if you are in a house full of people when you're going through that, you always feel very alone. 
Yeah, it's very true. You do. No one can quite reach you. My mom came. My mom. My mom's a wonderful woman. And and she came over and just sat on my bed and talked to me. Oh. And I am 41 years old. And I was just laying in my bed crying and talking to oh. my mom. You know, and it was just like like I was 16 again and going through a breakup. And my mom just sat there and listened to me. I was like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And I am. I'm fine. I'm okay now. I ended up with a group of people because I was forcing myself to go out, forcing myself to be with friends, forcing myself to find those things. And I was out with a group of people and I was in a canoe. We were canoeing. It was a beautiful like fall day and everybody was having fun and splashing. And I was just canoeing and everything was nature was beautiful and the people around me were wonderful. And I was just like, I don't care. I don't care about any of this right now. And I was just canoeing like very mechanically. I remember thinking like I'm marking this day, like mentally I'm marking this day in my head. And a year from now, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Like a year later, I'm you know seeing a new person and I got a puppy. Dude, a year ago, you were floating in a canoe and hating everything. And that now seems so far removed from who I am now. I like the hopeful tone of that. I want to talk a little bit about looking back on the real down, the, those deep lows. What did you gain from that? What did you learn about yourself or this experience from that? I feel like that time in June was like the lowest I've ever been, which is, which is, which was like weird for me just because I was, I thought I had a pretty good handle on my mental health. Like yeah. for the longest time, I was just like, I feel like I'm pretty, a pretty mentally stable person. Universe is just like, jokes on you. It was always very publishing related as well. Like I'd be on submission or like way back when I was querying and, you know, all the rejections were coming in. I was, and I had another moment where I was just like, is this what I want to do? Cause it's just a lot of rejection and a lot of pain and I'm like, whatever. But again, I had to ask myself if I'm not writing, then what am I, what am I doing? Like, obviously I'm into like TV series and I have hobbies and all that stuff, you know, but like career wise, there's nothing I'm really passionate about aside from writing. I don't want to do anything else with my life except for write. So I guess I'm going to have to stick with it. But what happened in June was just like the, the new bar It set the bar for how low I can go. <laughs> um, and I came up from it. It's hopeful. I guess it gives me hope that if it happens again, you know, that it's not forever. When you were in that place, when you you were in the super low, were you able, because this was your first experience being that low, mm-hmm. were you able to look forward and be like, this will get better, I know it, or was <clears> it because it was your first experience where you just like completely gobsmacked? Um, I feel like I was gobsmacked at first. I will say though that like it was really, really bad in the mornings. I have no idea why. It was, I would wake up and it would just feel awful. I would just have that like twisty, turny feeling in my gut. And I would just yeah. like that whole sense of dread. And I knew that I just had to make it through the day. Because by the time I went to bed at night, I almost felt normal again. It was yeah. so weird. So That's, like, It's bizarre that you say that because I have similar experiences. When I wake up in the morning and I have a lot to do, like I have a lot of work, I can feel overwhelmed. And I'd be like, I can't do this. I can't get to all this today. Then I also have the experience of if I wake up and I have nothing to do, like I have no chores or jobs or writing, like if I don't have anything to do, I actually find it very difficult to get out of bed. I could lay in bed until 3 p.m. and no one would know. And that in itself is a little depressing. So 
that's the kind of thing that I kind of deal with. But I agree with you completely. And I actually uh, freely share that I find it odd and I have some guilt over it that it's like when the evening rolls around and I've always been a night owl and I've always enjoyed nighttime and evening. So maybe that's part of it. But it's like when the evening rolls around, I almost start looking forward to the day. Like uh, what I mean by that is I start looking forward to the evening and to the night. It's like, what am I going to do tonight? But daytime kind of depresses me, which is the opposite of how (laughs) you assume you're supposed to feel. I have my son and he's seven. So I I had to get out of bed regardless. Um, But I would get up and I would do stuff with him. I don't know if it's the same for you, but I just had absolutely zero appetite. I didn't want to eat anything. I was hungry, but I didn't want to eat. So like I would just eat for the sake of eating. And then, you know, I would wait and I would go outside and just lay out in the sun or because that, I don't know, just being outside seemed to help marginally, at least to distract me. Yeah. And then, like you said, I would just wait until like uh, it got darker because throughout the day it would like slowly ease um, to the point where I could function. Yeah. And, and I had a similar experience and I think that's maybe other people have too. I don't know why. I don't know. Um, I would love to know if anybody listening has an idea about that or if that's an example of some kind of particular <clears throat> symptom. Yeah. Uh, I would love to know about it because I do. I've, I'm very similar. Make your pages look professional with vellum. Margins, headers, page numbering, font, Line spacing all happen automatically with every book you create. Generate ebooks for Kindle, Apple Books, Kobo, and others, or deliver a beautiful print book to your readers. Visit trivellum.com forward slash pants to learn more. Vellum, create beautiful books. Let's let's talk about something a little cheerier. Why don't you tell us? I mean, it's super important, super important, and I'm really glad we talked about it. But I'd definitely rather end on a higher note for the episode. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your new book, Forest of Souls? Sure. Forest of Souls is a YA fantasy about a girl who is a spy in training. And she discovers that she has this rare ability to shepherd souls. So she gets tasked with controlling what's called the Deadwood, which is an ancient forest that's possessed by vengeful spirits because it is slowly devouring the kingdoms. That sounds awesome. So any particular inspiration for this? The Deadwood itself was inspired by um, the Dead Marshes in Lord of the Rings. But thematically, it's about her and her best friend. And it was just really important to me to portray a friendship between girls that was unconditional and that was all about trust and choosing each other and sticking with each other no matter what like plot obstacles get thrown in their way. Because I've just read so many books where the relationships fall apart or there's there's petty reasons that they they stop talking to each other or for whatever reason you know so I'm just like I really just want a friendship portrayed between girls specifically where that's that's not even an issue you know like no matter what happens and and like their friendship is definitely tested you know but in the book but the important thing is that they they still choose each other Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is important that young readers and females especially get to see those relationships portrayed in a way that isn't catty or that just has true trust and love baked in. 
because I mean, one of the things that one of the things that society and our culture in general has done, I think the most heinous thing that has been done to, well, it's not the most heinous, but <laughs> what, one, of the, one of the least obvious things <clears throat> is that we've been, we've been trained to look at each other as competition. Yes. For the prize yeah. of a man. That's something that I have just become more and more aware of enacted it in my own life. Like when I was younger and not realizing that this was, <laughs> that we're all in, in this together, the female experience of moving through mm. the world instead of looking at each other as, you know, competition, we're all having similar, if not the same experiences and uh, bonding over them instead of finding mm. reasons to, to tear each other down. Yeah, I definitely um, perpetuated that sort of mindset as a teenager, as a kid, um, where I would be like, I'm not like those girls. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah totally. Like, we're actually, we probably are all quite alike. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's not a bad thing. I was a teenager in the 90s, and it was definitely, you're right, it was perpetuated. I certainly participated in it and um, was in situations where I was on the flip side of it, where I was the villain, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. We're all villains at some point, even in our own narrative, even if we don't want to admit it. Um, and I do, because I substitute in the schools, and I'm in the schools fairly often, I'm in a school right now. I have hope, because I don't see it as prevalent as it used to be. Oh, yeah. My daughter is, um, she just turned 18. And she is, she's so much smarter than I was at her age. She's so much more open minded and more the way that she thinks and the way that she views the world and um, how, how fair and how open minded she is. It's, it's kind of, it, it gives me hope, I guess. Last thing, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you online? Um, mostly on Twitter, which is at Lori M. Lee and on Instagram, which is Lori M. Lee 82. Awesome. And the book is called Forest of Souls. It is available now. And also I should mention you have a, another book coming out in 2021 called yes. Broken Web. Is that a sequel? Yes, that is the sequel. And I'm super duper excited to share it. And like it was, I was working on it actually through like that whole fog in June. So hopefully um, it'll be okay. Oh, <laughs> hopefully I readers won't think it's too terrible. I absolutely understand. I have a very good friend that is also an Ohio author and she has a book that she wrote uh, right in the wake of dealing with her father's death. Oh, and no. she has said so many times, I don't know what's in that book. I have no idea. I hope it doesn't suck. Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. Don't forget to check out the blog for additional interviews, writing advice, and publication tips at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. If the blog or podcast have been helpful to you, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating. Visit writerwriterpantsonfire.com and click support the blog and podcast in the sidebar. <laughs>